Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Today we are reviewing Aristophanes' piece. I used the 11 comedies version found at Project Gutenberg. You know the one. The one that may or may not have been translated by Oscar Wilde. And there are probably better translations out there. I had to work really hard to keep the characters straight, particularly the women. Now, this may be due in part to the fact that most of them are non-speaking characters. As usual, I recommend you look for a new translation whenever possible, but whatever you find will suffice. Peace premiered in 421 BCE, and it really was timely because that was shortly before the Peace of Nicaeus was ratified. This was a super awesome, really great peace treaty that was broken almost immediately. But for a brief moment, it looked like the Peloponnesian War was going to end. It didn't work, but when this play premiered, it looked like it might. At any rate, Peace, the play, won second prize at Dionysia. Our protagonist is a man named Trigeus. He has a couple of servants and a couple of daughters. Over the course of the play, we meet Hermes, war, tumult, peace, harvest, and festival. Those last three are the non-speaking women that I had a hard time keeping straight while reading. We also meet a soothsayer named um, Hierocles, not to be confused with Heracles. In the second half of the play, there are jokes stemming from the professions of an armorer, a sickle maker, and a crest maker. Um, the sons of Lamachus and Cleonymus appear towards the end, too. And, of course, there is a homogenous chorus, this time consisting of husbandmen, or, if we aren't being fancy, farmers. We'll take a quick break and come back to summarize what exactly happens in this play. And I'll do my best to keep peace, harvest, and festival straight. As a quick refresher, the basic parts of an old comedy are the prologue, parados, agon, parabasis, episode, and exodus. The scene opens outside of Trigeus's house. His two slaves are needing something that turns out not to be dough. They are preparing the meal for a dung beetle. A very large dung beetle. That Trigeus plans to use to fly up to Olympus to talk to the gods. Now to us, this is a really weird choice. And to the Athenians watching this play, it would have been funny, but it also would have made sense because in one of his lesser-known fables, Aesop tells the story of a dung beetle that reached the gods. Trigeus does indeed take flight on the back of the dung beetle. His daughters, slaves, and some of the neighbors try to convince him to land, but he insists that he needs to talk to the gods in person to get them to stop the Peloponnesian War. He and the beetle fly off. Or, more specifically, Everyone else exits, and the scene changes from earth to heaven. Hermes enters and is surprised to find someone riding on the back of a beetle. He quizzes Trigeus on who he is and why he's there. But there's a snag. The gods, too, have grown tired of the war and those pesky humans who keep asking them to intercede. So they've decamped to the far part of heaven, leaving Hermes in charge. And Hermes is ready to leave, too, because war, with a capital W, has moved in. Peace, on the other hand, has been trapped in a pit. War enters with a mortar into which he dumps some cities, uh, Prysia, Megara, and Sicily, all of which are allied with Sparta. And he adds some Attic honey, a reference to Athens and its allies. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a pestle to mash everything up. 
He asks his buddy Tumult to bring him one from Athens, but Cleon, the Athenian leader who has been such a frequent target of, of Aristophanes, is dead. So War asks Tumult to bring one from Sparta. But Brasidas, Cleon's Spartan counterpart, is also dead. As a reminder, this play premiered in 421 BCE. Cleon and Brasidas were killed in battle the year before. Aristophanes hasn't completely given up the Cleon jokes, but they aren't nearly as overt and mean as when Cleon was alive. Since Tumult insists he is unable to provide a pestle, War declares he'll get one himself, and he exits. Trigeus takes this opportunity to call on all of the Greeks to help him free peace from the pit in which she's been trapped, and the chorus enters. Loudly. It's a very short parados because Trigeus tries to get them to shut up because war hasn't gone very far in his search for a pestle. He tells them they can celebrate after peace has been freed. Hermes overhears the plot and threatens to raise the alarm. He tells Trigeus that Zeus has decreed death to anyone who frees peace. Trigeus responds that he is happy to die for this cause. He encourages the chorus to keep working while he negotiates with Hermes. Trigeus finally manages to bribe Hermes with a golden cup, and Hermes, being the god of thieves, is happy to take it. Everyone on stage then works together to pull peace out of the pit. She is followed by her attendants, festival, and harvest. Peace refuses to speak to any of the humans on stage because she is understandably pissed at them for how she has suffered. Instead, she whispers in Hermes' ear, and he tells everyone what she has said. She asks for the latest gossip, which Trigeus is happy to provide. Peace goes off to enjoy her freedom, and Festival and Harvest return home with Trigeus. Oh, and Hermes tells him that he can marry Harvest when they get there, while Festival will be given to Athens. Because symbolism? Oh, and in case you're wondering what's happened to the beetle, it's now been called into service, pulling the chariot with Zeus's thunderbolts. So Trigeus has to hitch a ride back to Earth by, you know walking off stage. And we have finally reached the Parabasis. As usual, they sing about how awesome Aristophanes is and make fun of other playwrights. And there is some tangential reference to Cleon, but no direct attack. It's a fairly short Parabasis, providing enough time for the scene to change. Trigeus enters, ready for his wedding to harvest. And while waiting for the wedding to start, Hierocles appears and tries to do his oracle thing, but Trigeus responds with a recitation of Homer, and Hierocles leaves unfulfilled. Then a variety of tradesmen who make military equipment enter and complain about how the return of peace has made them lose business. Trigeus gives each of them an alternate use for what they make, and they exit. Trigeus asks the children in attendance to sing, and Lamachus' son is happy to oblige with songs of war. Trigeus tells him to stop because there is peace once more. Cleonimus' son gives it a go as well, but he doesn't fare much better. Harvest enters and everyone sings a song in praise of her, and the play ends with a wedding. Before we get into the themes in this play, Let's start with the form. Before the summary, I mentioned the parts of a comedy. Prologue, Parados, Agon, Parabasis, Episode, Exodus. Did you see all of them? Is there a reason I'm asking this? Obviously, there's a reason I'm asking this. Yes, Aristophanes primarily wrote in the form we call old comedy. But over his career, his work starts to break with that form. 
And peace is the first play where we see that happen. Because there isn't really an agon. There's no real debate. Pretty much everyone is in agreement that the return of peace is a good thing. No one argues a pro-war standpoint. The closest we come to an agon is in the post parabasis episode. But in old comedy, that's not where the agon happens. The agon comes before the parabasis. So while this play maintains aspects of old comedy, it shows some evolution from old comedy to the new comedy that we will see in Menander and the Roman comedies. On to the themes. The primary theme is pretty obvious, because symbolism? Even more than the personification of war and peace as a symbolic theme, the personification of harvest and festival stands out in this play. Peace is not just about a lack of war. It is about a return to the idyllic agrarian life that has been disrupted by the war. So why does Trigeus marry Harvest at the end of the play? Because farming is safe again. And why does Festival go to Athens? Because the city can celebrate again. Gender is another theme to note in this play. While Trigeus' daughter does have some lines in the prologue, the primary women in this play are silent. They serve no purpose beyond allegory. At the same time, there is no peace without these women. So how are we to take this? I'd like to hear your thoughts on this point. As always, the link to the blog post for this episode is in the show notes. On Wednesday, we'll read the next book of the Iliad, and on Monday, we'll finish Aeschylus with Prometheus Bound. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.